Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. And thank you so much for joining me. We have two great guests for you this week. So first up, James Kirkland. Yes, that James Kirkland. So James Kirkland, we know what's happened in his career. He's now 34 and 3, 30 knockouts. Still an impressive overall record, but we know the issues that he's had, a couple knockout losses, and he's coming off of a knockout loss. Uh, It was December 26th against Montiel. He got knocked down three times in round one and eventually knocked out. Now, obviously, as observers of this sport, as fans of this sport, a lot of people calling for his retirement at age 36. Now, he, he did miss... A significant chunk of time uh, he was in jail there was things going on in the prime of his career um, but it does seem like he may be nearing the finish line now I asked him about this and spoiler alert you'll hear his reasoning but spoiler alert he says he will not retire this is what he wants to do and he feels like he has more to achieve in his career you'll hear that coming up in my interview and then of course the other storyline with james kirkland always is ann wolf the trainer for james if you, if you go back and watch videos on youtube and elsewhere you can see the military style workouts that ann puts james through it was a great partnership they had and it seemed like when they were clicking they were knocking a lot of people out good things were happening obviously that partnership at times didn't work out and that led to kirkland losing if you look at some of his losses Nobuhiro Ishida was the first one. I was at that fight in April of 2011. Similar to this most recent fight, Kirkland knocked out, knocked down three times in round one. He did not have Ann Wolf there. He fought Canelo Alvarez, the biggest fight of his life, in May of 2015. Knocked out in the third round. No Ann Wolf in his corner. And this most recent fight, knocked out in the first round. Uh, no Ann Wolf again. So obviously people are people are calling on that partnership to come together if this guy has a chance to come back. Not saying he should, but if he has a chance to, right? We want to see him and Ann Wolf training together. Um, if you look at some of the big wins they had, uh, one of the most memorable fights would be Kirkland versus Angulo. Uh, Angulo knocks down Kirkland in round one and Kirkland comes back to knock down Angulo, who has an ironclad chin and, and ended up winning that fight by six-round stoppage and event in domination. And you could tell that this was a testament to that Ann Wolf training. If you look at some of these videos, I mean, she's using uh, chains. She, she has a heavy bag on a truck that she's driving at you as you're hitting this heavy bag, um, waking up very early in the morning. It's, it's a very serious type of training, and that might be what someone like James Kirkland needs if he is planning to come back, which he says he is. I'm not saying that's the right decision. We obviously want to go for fighter safety. He's 36 years old. It doesn't necessarily seem like that's a smart move, but that's his decision, and that seems to be what he's doing. You'll hear about that in my interview with him. And then next, we have a ring announcer, Jeremiah Gallegos. So who is Jeremiah Gallegos? He's ring announcer for Golden Boy on The Zone, and A lot of people had work taken away uh, because of the pandemic. Now, it was specifically tough for Jeremiah Gallegos. And the reason for that is he woke up one day in April 2020. He was stressed out and he realized his face was partially paralyzed. And it turned out he had Bell's palsy. 
So he wasn't able to work. Uh, he wasn't able to, he didn't know if it would ever come back to normal. Um, there's times for people that that stays permanent. In his case, uh, it's only had a few residual effects and he's been able to get back in the ring. Um, so we talked to him about that journey. Um, in addition, he had one flub, one Steve Harvey, Harvey moment. It can happen literally to anyone. Uh, I've said this when the bright lights are on. Uh, it's a very difficult thing uh, to to do that flawlessly, and anyone can make a mistake, so nothing wrong with that. But I, I wanted to ask at least about what happened during the Daniel Jacobs versus Gabe Rosado announcement when accidentally Philadelphia was mentioned, which is Rosado's hometown, but it was, in fact, uh, the fight was for Jacobs. So we talked to Jeremiah about that process, what went wrong there. Um, it seems like it was a learning experience that could definitely happen to anyone. And I'm going to ask him about the origins of Golden Time. Every ring announcer seems to have their own uh, um, catchphrase. He has golden time. So I'm going to find out exactly what that means and where that came from. So first up, it's James Kirkland. I am Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karan Bhatia chatting with James Kirkland. James, we'll talk about your uh, most recent fights and your career. But first of all, how are you doing? Where are you right now? Oh, man, I'm doing awesome. I'm actually in Austin. At the, uh, in the meantime, I'm actually uh, um, helping with my daughter. You know, I had a newborn. Uh, pretty much doing that at the same time. and staying in shape and get ready for the next upcoming uh, move for me. And uh, that was actually my first question because – I was lucky enough to spend some time in your training camp in the past. I know your family and your kids are your motivation. I know you grind for them. So how much, uh, how, how good is it to have your family around you? And I know, I know that you use that as your motivation, right? Yes. Yeah, so and as far as having, you know, the, the, my team and of course my family behind me hundred percent is just an ongoing like overwhelming situation to me. make me just give it all that I've got, you know? So for that, for that being, you know, I'm just you know, having them around and keep keep the team happy. You know what? Absolutely. And I know that you fought twice in 2019. You were undefeated mm-hmm. in 2019, and then of course the pandemic hit. Um, mm-hmm. Was that frustrating for you that you were just getting going again with your career, and then you had to deal with the pandemic? Man, that, that the the pandemic situation is more than a letdown. It's more like uh, it's like everything get put is getting put in process and everybody's making the proper steps and moving forward. And all of a sudden you have to come to a standstill. And when you're about to step on the scale, they tell you, hey, look, nobody, there's no fight. And you're like, what do you mean? So it's so much involved into it to, to the point that has me just like overwhelmed with the whole pandemic situation. And then, then when it comes to the fight, so, and your you know your training was obviously halted because of the pandemic. You probably couldn't train as consistently as you wanted to. You finally got back in there against Montiel, and that was in December of 2020. But I mean, was was it training camp? Was it not consistent? Were you able to train the way you wanted to for this most recent fight? Um, you have to be 100 percent honest, man. Uh, the things that we needed, we needed sparring. We the, the type of sparring that we needed, it wasn't available. There's people that that were the match 
that do particular style and his skill and his ability, they were only able to come once every three weeks. And it was like, it's, you know, me, like I like to go uh, spar day, skipper day, spar day, and just keep it going. That's only going to allow you to get better. You know what I mean? So uh, when that happens, it's like, what's the use of having this particular sparring partner? Let me get any work is better than no work because three weeks you you, you spawn and want to get right back in there the next following after the next day you're like hey I'm ready to get back in there but you can't get the way you want to and the spawn probably the spawn people that you need are not available so it was a major upset for myself you know and it, it, the, obviously the fight did not, unfortunately, go your way, knocked down uh, three times. Um, what did you think about the fight? What went wrong in there? Was it the training camp issues or did something go wrong in the ring? What, what do you make of that fight? You see, I, see that's, that, that's one of the things that brings me back to speaking on the, the current things there and, and to get you where you're supposed to be at. Once you lose a certain amount of weight, and there's a thing where every fighter has to go with the rehydration part, re putting the stuff in your body that's going to allow you to be you the same day as if you didn't lose no weight. And just this one particular camp, nothing went the way we needed. Of course, anybody can put, anybody can put fluid in their body, waters and Gatorades, and, but to, to get you 100% back, course you need pd life there's other things that you need that wasn't available for me because they have this thing called the bubble and you couldn't pretty much leave and go to a certain store but you got to call certain people to get certain things that your body needs and we didn't have that available to us so it was a major letdown so anybody this no matter who you are if you don't rehydrate the right way, you're, you're uh, being able to adapt or, or to be able to take a punch or to be able to, to give it your all or to be able to land those punches that you need, they're not going to be there. So, you know, it's like you want to draw a sad picture, but the reality is the reality. And, and it was just at the, when it comes to the recovery part, it wasn't 100% there. And so clearly the next question, you know, is, is going to be, I know you've been boxing since you were six years old, you're 36 yeah. now. So it's been a long three decades. Will you continue in your career in boxing or are you thinking about retirement at all? Oh, man. no, no time soon is the only, the only part about this whole thing. It's just the, the recovery. Like, it's like, damn, why didn't recover the right way? Why are people looking at me like, Hey man, he's washed up. He, he gave it all. He got this. This isn't, his class, or this ain't with something that he's uh, tied into, something that he wants to do anymore. But this is exactly what I want to do. This is exactly what I like to do at this particular moment. At that particular moment, training camp went fairly well, but just when it comes to rehydration, you know, I want to be able to say a million different things, but I can't. It's just a reality. And so you'll continue in your career. Um, who do you want to fight next? What, what kind of challenges do you want? What, what, do you, what do you hope to achieve in, in boxing at this point? At this, at this point, you know, I am definitely want to be able to grab a world title. 
I definitely want to be able to take on uh, the people that's actually in my division, the top, and I want to be uh, initially labeled as one of the uh, one of the uh, like uh, spotlight fighters of, uh, of this decade. You know, as far as a great fighter, you know. And I know, I know that up to this point, your 2019 comeback, you were obviously very focused. You were in the gym working hard. Um, I read an article, and uh, they quoted you, and you said that you feel like you've been in and out of jail your entire life, right? And I, I know you were speaking symbolically there. Yeah. Um, do, why do you feel that way? Do you feel like it's been a little bit of ups and downs? Oh, just definitely. You know, when it comes to when it comes to the 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 laws and being in the the justice or right or wrong situation. I definitely have my my hand of uh, what you say defeats or, or good and bads when it comes to the laws. But it's basically had a lot to do with the people I consider friends, the people that I move and hung around with. A lot of those things that's changed tremendously. So I don't never really go back looking backwards because I got a long road of. Uh, not positive situation. So it's like looking backwards is not going to get me anywhere. But, you know, looking back and seeing the positive things that took place, whether it's a certain training camp, whether it's certain things that you ate, certain stuff that you um, was able to achieve and how you was able to achieve them. There's only the reason that I even look back, look, look back at anything and take that and keep moving forward. And people who are following you and your career as you were making your way up the ranks, you were knocking a lot of people out. Um, you fought Canelo in, in May of 2015. He was uh, He's now obviously the top of the game. Um, obviously, that fight didn't end up going your way, but we didn't see you in the ring again uh, until 2019. So during that time period from 2015 to 2019, um, what was going on in your head? What, what were you up to during that time? Those are the things I was definitely trying to um... – Invest money. Uh, definitely uh, trying to make the right type of moves. Uh, definitely with my kids and uh, just moving forward, man. Trying to get a different uh, revenue of income. And in the meantime, I say, you know what? It's about the time I go and knock on that door again and see. Uh, let, let's see who wants to take some of these punches. And at the end of the day, man. Now here I am. I took that defeat. But more, more so, I learned from it because, like, damn, there's a lot of things that I want to do to rehydrate myself and get myself in, a, in the, the right status. But certain things uh, didn't allow that. So uh, I look at that and, and I move forward. I say, hey, look, keep take a chip off your shoulder. Make sure you give it to the next person, you know. So, hey, I'm back at it. Like, uh tomorrow like today you know i'm right back at it so i never was crazy because i never really gained any weight back and i feel like usually when after i fight i'm like i'm already back at a crazy weight like damn how you do that over two days you know overnight and be like well i can do it you know and but now i'm like still around fight weight like impossible but it's crazy but um I think that's where the rehydration part, when you do it the right way, it'll show. You know what I mean? So, and at the end of the day, 
Uh-huh. No, sorry. I was just going to say, it seems like you're hungry to have a proper training cramp, proper hydration and do that. So what is, when do you want to get back in the ring um, in terms of the timeline? And, and are there any specific names that you're targeting? Any, any specific fighters that you want to crack at? No, man, they have, uh, they had the, uh, they had so many things they brought to maternity to me and whether it was when it comes to fighters, as far as, Find them next, and who's on the who's on the docket, or who is in uh, part of the uh, the chase? Who's next? The upcoming fights, and I was just like, "Hey, let this let it make sense, and let's get it done." You know, man, I'm down. Like, I'm ready to get back into it and and take on the top. Whoever's there for me to take, I'm one of them. And when you look back at your your career, I know you're not calling it a day. You have plenty of boxing left. But when you look at back at everything you have achieved, is there one fight that stands out as as the thing that you're most proud of? For me, as an observer, uh, when you fought Alfredo Angulo and you got knocked down in the first round, you came back, you knocked him down in that same round and dominated that fight. That was that was a crowning achievement. That was a great fight. Any fights or moments that stand out to you as the best in terms of what you've achieved so far? Man, oh man, because I'm. There's so much passion that you and so much uh, drive and motor and energy that's in a particular training camp. So you can't never me at me from a, a person I can't identify and saying, well, this one was harder, this one was easier. But I could I can't say there was the Fredo and Gulo fight. People would say, man, that that was one of your hardest fights, and you give and and honestly, man, the training camp was the hardest thing possible the fight itself would seem like it was a walk in the park even when i got knocked down i was just like well i was square footed he caught me on the chin and trying to take me out of course you want to be careful for not getting hit a cracked again or getting caught uh, so they can end the fight or wave it off so i was just like hey stay in the mix stay on your feet keep watching and everything's gonna come to you but like I say, man, I take nothing away from any fighter, man. But uh, there's no there's no dull moment when, when I'm in the ring, you know. And on the other side of it, uh, is there any moment in your career that you regret? Anything that you wish you did differently in your career? Oh, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of things. Like even when I fought uh, uh, Alvarez, when I fought uh, this this past guy that that I fought. Um, it's just, and somebody, even the camps that was that was excellent. And I mean, and there was people that, uh, uh, even the, I mean, the, even the camps that went right. There was some of the things. I mean, damn, if I would have just added this and done this, I felt like after watching the, looking at the fight over, and said, oh man, this that was a done fight in round one. You know what I'm saying? Only if I work this way or you know so I was able to analyze certain stuff and and movement but uh there's a lot of fights that were uh, I could say hey I wish I could have was thinking like that but didn't but uh yeah it's a lot of improvement that I need to bring back to the table and and work on fundamentals and going back to the basics you know and speaking of fights that that maybe you'd want another crack at, I, I was there live for when you fought Nobuhiro Ishida. It was your come one of your comeback fights. Um, mm-hmm. Did you do you think you know he was obviously he was a very tall man. He was a big guy. Um, mm-hmm. Were you overlooking him at all before that that fight against Ishida? Oh man, 
honestly, I didn't know nothing about this guy. And we we just we just put the facts out there. I knew nothing about him. I didn't know that he was a former world champion. I didn't know he had a chip on his shoulder. He was just looking for anybody. Just, oh, I want my payback. I was like, hey, man, another dude in the park, let's just let me take him out. And um, he's tall, but uh, the taller they are, the harder they fall. Didn't look at him as a particular uh, individual that, that, that holds a particular amount of skill. Even though they say, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's, uh, he's, he got a glass chin and, and you can knock him out. Hey, but you first you gotta be able to touch these tall people, you know, they'll shoot from certain angles and moving. So, you know, you gotta be able to get there and that allow that uh that movement, that energy to perfect on that fighter and deliver it to the same way. So there's a lot into it. And so I, I when I when I put on uh, online that you know I was interviewing you I asked for fans questions people things you know things that people want to hear from you, um, as you can mm-hmm. guess the, the the main question uh, you had three losses in your career three knockout losses um, and of course people wanted to know you weren't with Ann Wolf training with Ann Wolf during that time um, is there any chance that you would work with Ann again and what is your relationship like now with Ann Wolf? And it's crazy because I had so many people come to me with that that initial question. And I recently spoke with her, and everything is like it's like a brother and sister situation. We don't see each other a long time. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm gonna go kick it. Let's go kick it. Let's go party. Let's go do this. <laughs> so it's always a, a plus when it comes to me and Ian. It's always there's no never like I say never a dull moment. And even when we're talking, we're like, man, you know, we this is what we got to improve. This is what we got. And I, I'm I'm always loving just the the class understanding that she has. And it's like, she's my left side and I'm my right side. So it's always like, if I ain't thinking one way, she's thinking another. And then when I'm thinking this way, she's, you know, so it's like two pieces in a pie, like picture perfect. But um, she's working on things. I'm working on things. And now, but you never know how things work, man. Cause I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to talking with her and uh, trying to see what we can do to move forward. You know? So safe to say it's possible that you would work with her again in the future, but not in the immediate future. No, 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 no. Let me take it all the way back. No, no, no. And work with Ann, I would love to sit there and say, let's jump it off today. Let's jump it off tomorrow and and get back to uh, the movement and the the, the, the hard training. Because a lot of people don't, don't get me wrong, people train, they train hard, and some people can get used to training hard and some people it's their lifestyle of working that hard and uh, dealing with her she's been able to um, work me to a certain ratio that when it comes down to the fight the fight be the easiest and you be like man that ain't nothing man you know my training camp was 10 times harder but like you know I'm like I said I'm definitely down to have a talk with her and we recently had spoken and uh We'll talk about bringing stuff back to the game so you actually never know. It's just like I meant just holding back a lot of information and just going to see what, what is initially uh, a green light before I go ahead and wake everybody up to it. 
And, and you've been a veteran in this game. Um, you've had, uh, you know, a lot of fights in your career. You, you've had a lot of different experiences. Now that you've gone through so much, I mean, what do you think about the business of boxing, the way it is? I know you've had a lot of different promoters. There's been different opportunities. Overall, when you look back, what do you think about the business of boxing? Um, the business of boxing is, is as far as how you, how you, how you, how can, it's pretty much like, how, how can you say it? Boxing, when it comes to the box business, you, you can, you can, it can be a make you or it can be a break you. Depends on how you handle your business in the, not just in the ring, but outside the ring. You know, when it comes to paperwork, contracts, the whole nine, it's a make it or break it situation, depending on how you set up your game plan for the future. So, it can, like it's a, it's a, Make it or break it. <laughs> no, that's great. And and only uh, just a few more questions for you. When I put up that I was speaking to you, Kermit Sintron actually chimed in. He said, oh, James, wow, Kirkland, wow. James Kirkland was a beast, uh, just like I was, he said. Uh, it was definitely a fight I'd love to have in our primes. Um, it would have been a fight of the year, if not decade, to big punchers. What do you think about a mythical matchup, you, you versus Kermit Sintron? Man, that's amazing. They even re reached out and said that much, much, much love and support, man. What? Fuck yeah. <laughs> that's, that's dope as fuck. I, I like that. I like that. That's uh, awesome, man, because uh, he's, a, he's a great fighter himself. And I'm definitely, like I said, I like all challenging and, and um, opportunities, man. And that's a great one at the, the meantime we're speaking on him, man, you know? And I know that you said you're not retiring, you're keeping moving forward. Have you thought about what you would do once you do hang up the gloves, your next act? Would you get into training? Would you do something else? Have you thought about the future at, at all? Oh, most, most definitely, man. So many obstacles and decisions and my way the mind goes. And, and of course, your kids like, yeah, dad, I wanted to get in, I wanted to get in the ring and I want. And my, old, my oldest son, he's, he's, He's kind of, he's not saying crazy. He he got the chip on his shoulder. I'm like, man, for what you, you're taller than your dad, you know, but he definitely has a chip and he likes, he likes to fight. And I'm just, I don't want him to go to, go to jail and get, get in a lot of trouble with it. So trying to keep him mellow, keep his head mellow and keep him on the right track, man. But um, in general, man, there's a lot of things that go through my mind once I hang it up and, you know, I'm looking forward to just getting getting focused on getting these uh, these fights in there while I'm in it, still in it, you know what I mean? And then I can actually take care of what I gotta take care of afterwards, you know. I know I know you missed some time in the prime of your career, so I'm sure you're eager to get those fights in before you call it a day. Um, and, I, and I definitely appreciate your time. Only a couple more questions for you. So um, in terms of you continuing fighting, would you say, what would you say the biggest motivation is? Is it for your family? Um, is it for your legacy of what you can do in the sport? Is it for money? What do you, what do you think is the main motivation uh, for you right now? The main motivation is, the, I, I would honestly say the biggest motivation for myself is I, honestly, man, I feel like having that proper team and that connection with the people that you're working with and being able to, why, why you in training camp, seeing that everything is getting dissected and everything is working to your game plan, to your full advantage, and knowing that you're going to step in there fight night and going to be 
I mean, that's just my motivation, just looking at being able to see why I'm in camp, everything moving forward and going the right way. I'm thinking that's my that's my big biggest motivation. Then my kids got along on the sideline, like, Daddy, come on. Yeah, one more mile, you know what I mean? Let's do it one more time. You know, it's always a plus. And uh, you've had some ups and downs in your careers, like we talked about. You had periods of inactivity. You've been knocked out, but you've always come back. And even now, you're continuing to move forward. So would you have any words of encouragement for people who are maybe listening to us, maybe going through tough times themselves? Any any words of encouragement for people to continue to, continue to go on their own journeys? I feel like everybody has a passion. And some people get put in a situation to where they're defeated. Or took and took, as you could say, took advantage of or, or let down or broken. It's always, you know, when 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 it when it all comes down to the bottom line, it's only you and that opponent, or it's you that has to run those miles. It's you have to take those punches. You the one that has to uh, bob and weave and put yourself in positions not to get hit, but to hit back. So when you look at those things, everybody's going to say, oh, man, give it up, man. Not for you no more. That's when you have to stay, keep your mind focused. Like, I've been here. This is what I do. I'm I'm ready for the next opponent. I'm ready for this opponent. And just have your – keep that hunger, that drive, and that dedication because simply without any three of those, you're defeated. You've you already been defeated. So – at the end of the day, man, I just feel like keeping God first, man, and, and staying prayed up and, and focus on your craft. Everything is designed for you to win. And final question for you, um, to your fans and supporters, people who have, have supported you throughout the years. I know that you've said you're going to keep going in your career, so I'm sure you want them to tune into your next fight. Um, anything you'd want to say to your fans and supporters? Oh, man, I'm just more than glad. Uh, delightful and glad that I didn't have been having such a tremendous team as far as fan and, and support and people just definitely been behind me 100% man I've just been more than blessed by having y'all as not just being by my side but at the same time cheering me on at the same time give me that motivation to do what I do best man so I'm just really just like look forward to the next one and, and I'm coming James Kirkland, I want to thank you so much for the time. Best of luck to you, and I really appreciate your honesty and, and for speaking with me. Thank you. No doubt. Have a good one, man. God bless. And that was James Kirkland. He is leaving the door open to work with Ann Wolf. He is deciding not to call it a career just yet. I'm not saying that's the right decision by any means, but that's his decision that he will be making and it seems like he feels like he still has more to achieve in this sport so we'll see what happens with that next up ring announcer jeremiah gallegos who survived and dealt with bell's palsy we're going to talk to him about that we're going to talk to him about his process as a ring announcer I am Karan Bhatia, and I'm chatting with Jeremiah Gallegos. You know him as the ring announcer for The Zone, the PA announcer for the MLS team Houston Dynamo. You've heard his voice everywhere, and now we're speaking to him. Jeremiah, how you doing, my man? Doing great. Glad to be here, Karan. It's, uh, I'm excited, man. This is, this is the show. Ask the experts. You are the expert. 
<laughs> hey, no, that's because I'm asking you. You're ah, the expert. And me this time around. <laughs> and I have to give you credit. I mean, I, you know, I always ask the guests, I say, hey, can you have a cool background? Get some good lighting. I mean, look at this. You got a boxing ring. You're well lit. I mean, this is great, man. <laughs> Thanks to my buddy, Jesse Morales. He's uh, that's the guy that I'm going to be talking about uh, here in a second. He's actually over here as well. But uh, yeah, he set all this up for me. So very happy. Well, good job by him. Good job by you. Um, and I want to talk about all the amazing work that that you've been doing. But I, I wanted to chat a little bit. I wanted to start with with your story, especially this year. Uh, everyone knows what's going on with, or I, I, should, I actually say last year, 2020. Everyone knows what's yeah. going on uh, with the global pandemic, and it's been hard for everyone. But it has been specifically hard for you. Um, and uh, obviously, the pandemic hit. That meant a lot of work was taken away, especially with live sporting events that affected many right. people. I know that you were dealing with some stress. And uh, the morning of April 21st resulted in Bell's mm. palsy, your, your yeah. face being paralyzed. Um, so, so tell me, what happened there? Yeah, uh, man, it was it was crazy how it all went down. You know, this this pandemic, you know, I feel my heart goes out to all these people who are, you know, don't have uh, any work right now or are just going through a lot of financial troubles, uh, uh, including it's let's be real, even with divorce, divorce is at a high right now. Uh, well, that process, you know, uh, none of that's happened to me as far as, you know, divorce or uh, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, with this pandemic, it, it for me, it, there was a lot of stress. You know, uh, uh, gigs were uh, disappearing because of the pandemic. There was no shows, uh, sports in general, you know, out of the picture as well. So, you know, a lot of that is uh, my income, you know, for me to, for survival and what have you. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, how do I go about, you know, trying to survive and, and do what I need to do to pay the bills? You know, this, this wasn't just me. This was my, uh, then girlfriend now, you know, ex-girlfriend. But uh, uh, yeah, it was really hard for us at that time and moment. You know, it was all that stress was just building, it piled on. And uh, unfortunately, the next day in the morning, <laughs> you know, I, I woke up with the the right side of my body kind of tingling for, you know, I didn't know, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I did my daily routine, you know, get ready to go walk the dog or brush my teeth first. And so I went to the restroom and um, I noticed my face was kind of funky. I was like, eh, maybe it's just I was slept on the wrong side of the bed. My, you know, my body did feel kind of funny. So uh, I started brushing my teeth and I noticed that the right side of my face, water was starting to, you know, kind of kind of come out. And um and I, I knew some, uh, you know, that alert came on. I told my ex at the, uh, now, my girlfriend at the time, I told her, I was like, hey, I think I'm having a stroke of some sort. I don't know what's going on. I, I freaked out. I freaked out completely. And uh, so we rushed to the hospital and, uh, you know, they told me that I had Bell's palsy. And at that moment, you can imagine everything that was going through my mind because my face was completely droopy on one side. And, uh, you know, I looked it up and I found out that Bell's palsy is uh, damaged to the seventh cranial nerve. And some people recover, some don't. And in my mind, I thought throughout the whole way, I was like, I'm going to recover. I have to recover. Ring announcing, announcing is that's my life. You know, you know, I wasn't able to uh, pronounce words correctly, you know, the way I needed to, because, you know, my face was just was numb, you know. 
paralyzed. So uh, I was worried, you know, uh, four months in, I started doing uh, a lot of massage therapy and, you know, uh, did, did what I needed to do to, uh, you know, get better. And eventually I did, you know, I still have, uh, you know, these little twitches here and there, but they're not severe. You know, I'm, I'm hoping later on down the line, I'll, you know, I'll be able to get through it and, you know, I'll be kind of back to normal, but, you know, uh, meantime, I'm still doing what I love, you know, and that's all that matters for me. So I'm really happy that, you know, I was able, able to overcome, uh, this, uh, you know, what I was stricken with, which is Bell's palsy. But uh, yeah, it was a very, very scary moment for me. You know, scary I, four months. <laughs> I can't even imagine how difficult that was, not only losing your livelihood to the pandemic, but then possibly yeah. losing your livelihood for the rest of your life with, with what's what happened to you. And I'm glad right. that you are recovered. I'm glad that we're speaking now and, and you're obviously yeah. able to do what you love. When it first happened, I know that you thought it might be a stroke. Um, it wasn't a stroke. It was Bell's, Bell's palsy, as you said. Was there, any, were you, was there anything to that that you said, okay, at least it's not a stroke? Or were you just thinking about, you know, am I going to recover? What's going to happen to my career? Things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, that's all I was thinking about, you know, when I was talking to my, my, my girlfriend at the time, I was telling her, like, I hope and pray that I'm able to ring an ounce. I hope and pray that I'm able to, uh, you know, get back in that ring or get behind a microphone and announce sporting events, period. You know, uh, and back in my mind, I, I was, uh, you know, you still have that, uh, that those thoughts of uh, thinking, what if that doesn't, you know, what if my face doesn't return to normal? You know what I mean? And I just, you know, I didn't want to think about that. I really didn't. You know, I wanted to stay focused and positive and I did everything possible, you know, to get back to smiling again. Cause that was, that's important for me you now, you know, and I learned a lot from that. It, you know, I took my spot, my smile for granted. And now I, I smile all over the place now, you know, and I don't care who it is. I'm going to smile back at you. So, you know, I'm happy for that. And, and I wanted to ask you about that because during this process, as difficult as it was, you did maintain a positive outlook. You, you kept positive thoughts uh, out there. Uh, you posted something on Instagram from the hospital bed in April of 2020. You wrote, don't let stress take over your life, my friends. Yeah. Uh, I got this. So, Going through something like this, uh, thinking that there is a chance that you would never again be able to do what you love. How did you stay positive? Um, a lot of prayer, a lot of faith, you know, uh, like I tell people, it doesn't matter, you know, what your religion or what your faith is, you know, as, as long as you believe in a higher power and, you know, and I had a lot of support too, a whole bunch of support. A lot of people reached out to me, uh, Jim Ross. WWE or WWF legend. Uh, he reached out to me. Uh, let's see who else did. Uh, Todd Grisham. Todd's a great guy. Love Todd. Um, as well as uh, a lot of boxing clubs and, and former athletes. They all reached out to me. Even some athletes I won't name. They asked me not to name them, but some athletes who uh, uh, recovered from Bell's palsy as well. Uh, they reached out to me. So I was, you know, they said this is not a death sentence, but you know. You got to take care of yourself, you know, so I, uh, I follow that till this day, taking my vitamins and, you know, paddle boarding and jogging, doing whatever I can to stay active. And we're glad that 
you are okay and, and you're back uh, to doing what you love. You mentioned Jim Ross, obviously a legend in, in the game, and he dealt with that uh, well-documented. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that you had uh, the support. You, you mentioned your faith. I'm sure that that helps you uh, get through this as well. And, and you did recover. You are back yeah. to doing what you love. So one <laughs> of the first events was, of course, Breakhouse versus McCaskill. That was in Tulsa. That was uh, one of yeah. the comeback events for Matrim USA, I believe, in August, August 15th. Right. You got the call to be the ring announcer after right. everything that you had been through. What was it like to get that phone call? It's great. It was, it was awesome. Actually, uh, I kind of want to correct you on it. It was a uh, golden boy. No, no, you are right. No, it was golden boy. Uh, Virgil Ortiz. They had a show. Uh, and then it was, uh, the matchroom show, but either way to be back in that ring after all that craziness that happened, man, even to this day, anytime that I get in that ring, even my hiccup that I, you know, that happened over there in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Jacobs and Rosado, we know how that happened, but, uh, you know, I'm still blessed to be in that ring. I'm still honored to be in that ring with these fighters, these warriors, you know, at the end of the day, that that's, it's about them. You know, they give it all, everything, their blood, sweat, and tears in that ring, you know, for me, it's just a small part of the pageantry. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed to just look at each corner and, and, and see that, Hey, I'm there, I'm here. And, uh, you know, after all that, that I've gone through, you know, and I'm sure that you were pitching yourself there with the Virgil Ortiz fight and the and the Tulsa fight and all oh, that yes. just to be back yeah. doing doing what you're what you love and and I'm I'm really happy to to see you back. Um, you mentioned the situation there, the hiccup. Now I want to talk to you about your process because being <laughs> in front of camera, I can speak to this directly. It's not easy at all. People watching on the yeah. couch, I'm sure they think it's super easy, and you always think, oh, no. I can do that. Uh, when you're there under the bright lights, it's something completely different. And I don't, I don't think people realize all of the work and preparation that goes into yeah. doing uh, what you do, what other people do on air. And so I want to get into your process. But you mentioned the hiccup. So I, I'm just curious. Uh, obviously, there was a the very close fight between Gabe Rosado and Daniel Jacobs. Um, it, was, it was very unclear, actually, who probably won that fight. I think a lot of people right. uh, didn't expect Rosado to be as competitive as he was. So right. you get the scorecards. You're reading them off, and and you first said Philadelphia, where Rosado's from, and then corrected yourself, said Brooklyn, and, and gave the fight to, right. to Jacobs, which was the correct score. Now, I feel like there's always some story, something. Like in the Oscars, they had, like, the wrong envelope, I think it was. Steve Harvey, when he had his situation, they wrote, like, <laughs> first runner-up, and he read first or something like that. I don't know. Um, right. Was there any story? What, what happened there exactly? Yeah, uh, so – you know, I usually take my uh, fight card with me that I always, you know, hold when I'm introducing the fighters. This time I'm in the ring and I completely forget my fight card. And I'm thinking in the ring, I was like, eh, I, yeah, I got this. I got, I know where they're from and I do know where they're from. So, and I'm, and I'm there waiting, uh, you know, for uh, my producer to tell me, go ahead and uh, give the cue. So I have my card there and I'm scanning. And then as, uh, can't remember who was the producer. Was that it day, but John McCormick? Was on that one. And Dave Harmon. May, it may have been John. I want to say okay. it's, it was John. Yeah. So, um, so John tells me, "Hey, uh, go ahead and you know cue Jeremiah." Or so I look at the, uh, the the bell person, the timer. I'm like, "Go ahead." So I'm good to go. As I'm scanning, I'm looking at uh, Rosado, and when I'm looking at Rosado, I'm, you know Philadelphia is in my head. I was like, "All right, you can get out, Philadelphia. Get out." No, I uttered the words Philadelphia first, and 
when that happened, I quickly said, uh, pardon me, uh, from uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. And as I'm saying that, I can see uh, Danny Jacobs approaching me. Did I win? Did I? And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to get knocked out on TV <laughs> right now. So I freaked out. I was like, all right, I need to get out of this ring. So I said his name and, you know, I, I was truly embarrassed. Um, there was a couple of uh, ring announcers, some high profile ring announcers, I won't mention, that did tell me, uh, hey, I've done it plenty of times. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. You know, we all make mistakes, you know move on from it, you'll be okay. But of course me, you know, I wanted to address the boxing world and let them know that it was an honest mistake. And I apologize, especially to Brooklyn and Philadelphia fans. Cause you know, that's a, that's a rivalry right there. You don't want to screw that up. And I did. So I, I apologize till this day for that. And it was a hundred percent honest mistake. And, and like we said, being on camera with the microphone, the bright lights on millions of people watching around the world, it's, it's very, very easy to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. I can, I can speak to this uh, directly being on air myself and I know how difficult it was. Um, so I appreciate your candor and, and uh, appreciate you going through what happened there. Now I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned Rosado and Jacobs at that time. You, you, you corrected yourself. You walked out of the ring. Was there any conversations that happened, you know, backstage or, or with either, either of the fighters after that happened? No, I, I zoomed in out of there. <laughs> I said, all right, uh, I got my check. I'm out of here. I'm not getting out of this hotel room at any time until I'm ready to uh, head back to uh, Texas. So, uh, yeah, I apologize to uh, the folks from Matchroom Boxing. And I'm truly grateful for uh, the promoters who have allowed me to, uh, you know, be inside that ring. So big thank you to uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing and also to uh, Golden Boy Promotions. And so, you know, it's an honor to be in that ring, man. It really is. And it's, uh, you get butterflies, you know, and you just get this, uh, adrenaline just kicking in. You're like, Oh man, this is, this is my moment. And then that happens, you know, but it, it, it like I said, it, ha- it, happens. it happens to everyone. Um, and, and so I, my last question about this before I move on to your process was I, I saw that you posted on uh, Instagram, someone texted you or messaged you and they weren't happy with this. And, oh, and yeah. you're doing, if you have haters, you know, you're doing something right. So clearly you're doing <laughs> right. something right. And this person said, Hey, so-called ring announcer, I hope you go hang yourself. This was a yeah. hater who reached out to you. Now he continued with his thought. I'm not even going to continue on no. what he said, but it didn't get much better from there. You took the high road. You wrote, I pray for him. Um, and I yeah. think that's that's really classy of a response from you. So how do you he- deal with haters and negativity and things like that? You, man, it's it's crazy. I'm I'm sure uh, a lot of the people who like yourself and, and other announcers, you know, in the in the highest level, we get this hate left and right, you know. But I also get good support. But yeah, when it comes to that, you know, I hate to read it. We we uh, sometimes we lie to ourselves. Like I'm not gonna read this. And we do, you know, we're curious to see what these uh, fans have to say. It's the peanut gallery, for God's sakes. <laughs> so I, I see it as entertainment, but at the same time, I'm like, man, funny. come on. But, uh, you know, I ignore it um, in a way that I've just, you know, just got to say, I'm going to pray for you, buddy. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. You know, if actually somebody the other day after the fight, the Garcia and Campbell fight, somebody uh, wrote something can we get a new ring announcer? This guy is horrible. So I was thinking, I was like, Hmm, I want to respond to him, but I don't, but I went ahead and did it. That's like, Hey, here's my number. If you're interested in ring announcing, please feel free to email me. I got you a gig. 
never responded. <laughs> and that's so, usually the way it goes, right? You, you, yeah, you offer something and, uh, and people don't usually follow up. No. Um, it's, it's very easy to criticize from the outside looking in. Um, right. It's very easy when you're not actually in the arena uh, to criticize those who are. Um, and, and, and props to you for taking the high road in that situation and, and all the others. So I wanted to ask you about your process. Uh, you post on Instagram, your notes page, and it's just loaded yeah. with notes. You have records, you have weight classes, you have where these people are from. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it as there should be. Um, what is your process on a fight week? How are you getting information? Uh, do you attend, uh, you know, fighter meetings, weigh-ins, are you getting information and then fight night? What's, what's your process like? Well, I, I can't give all the details, but I can tell you this, um, things change like on the fly. I mean, out of nowhere, you know, um, so it's usually the matchmaker or not the matchmaker, but the, the, the head person in charge, either from golden boy or from matchroom boxing or from any other promoter, you know, fights drop, um, weights are changed here and there, or even the uh, divisions are changed. You know, I'm constantly always having to make sure that my information is on point. Mm -hmm. You know, that card that you saw, that was the final one, you know, after I did three of those, um, three of those cards, you know, a lot of the information was changed here and there, but, uh, it, man, believe it or not, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm up till like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, just writing those cards out, looking up information, you know, their background, uh, making sure I'm pronouncing uh, their names correctly. You know, uh, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I do screw up names here and there, but, you know, it's very subtle. Uh, I think that's all ring announcers. Sometimes we don't get it right on right on point like we want it to. But um, but yeah, it's it's a process. It really is. You know, uh, not all ring announcers going to have a huge card like that. It looks huge because I'm a short guy, <laughs> you know, like Michael Buffer and David Diamante, man. I love those guys. They do a fantastic job. They usually have a little notes and they just cover it with their hand. You know, me, I have these huge cards and, uh, you know, that doesn't make uh, any other ring announcer less than or anything like that. It, you know, it's just we all work differently, but it, it does take a lot of uh, work and uh, research to make sure that what we say inside that ring is 100% correct. So, yeah. And that that's the information that you have beforehand. Like we said, weight classes, where these people are from, right. that that's for things that you can practice, like, um, you know, introductions for when the fighters come out. And that, that obviously oh, yeah. can be such a great moment for fans because you're pumping them up for who the, these two warriors who are about to right. go into battle. Right. Um, the part that's sometimes unscripted, and, and I'd love to hear your process with this is, the after fight decision. So for anyone who doesn't know, obviously the, there's three judges ringside. They're giving their score round by round. They aren't, they aren't sitting there tallying the whole thing. After each round, they hand it to someone. Each yeah. judge does. Someone takes that information and puts it on one sheet all the way down. And then they write at the end, you know, winner by unanimous decision or majority right. or whatever it may be. From there, that piece of paper gets handed to you. So when you have that piece of paper, what do you, what do you first do? What, are you looking at individual oh, scores? Yeah. Do you just look at who won the fight? And then how do you decide 
on how you are going to announce that information because that is an art form in itself. And what I mean by that it is, is it, it, what I mean by that is the first score that you say, for example, if it is like a split or a majority or something like that, you have mm-hmm. to be tactical in how you're going to present these scores. You don't want to just right. say uh, the first two scores for one guy. If it's a majority, you may want to split it up, right. add some drama, things like that. So, so what is your process with that part? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I've learned from the best, you know, uh, as a kid, as a, as a youngster, I, uh, I've seen what Michael Buffer, Jimmy Lennon Jr., how the way they've uh, read the scorecards. And it's all about drama, theatrics when it comes to that moment, you know. And, uh, you know, as ring announcers, we want to go ahead and provide that for the world. You know, everybody's sitting at the edge of their seat. Who's going to win? You know, but yeah, when I when I get that piece of paper, I look at that paper and I make sure everything is correct. You know, because sometimes these administrators, uh, you know, sitting at, at the table, they can give you something. You're like, oh, this, are you sure this is this doesn't look correct? Sometimes you don't want to question them and they get offended about it. And I've, I've been in that situation, but I was correct about it. So, uh, yeah, I want to make sure that, you know, if it's a split decision, you know, it's read correctly. If it's a majority decision, it's read correctly. So um, when I started out ring announcing as a professional, my very first show, this is about eight years ago, uh, I read, I think it was a split decision. I read it like, it was just, everybody was already like, what? Dude, you already announced the winner. <laughs> you might as well keep going. It's like, you know, they're already clapping and, you know, there was no theatrics, no drama to it. So, so you know, I learned a lot from that, that moment. So I actually have a card. Um, in my tuxedo suit. So whenever, you know, I'm inside the ring, I pull it out and I make sure I remember how to read the score correctly. And it is specifically hard in boxing because it's not like other sports like soccer or football or whatever, where a touchdown is for the most part, a touchdown's a touchdown. Uh, The, you know, in basketball, the points are the points, you know, kind of who won in boxing, you have to deal with a couple things. And that could be a, the judges, may have just not done a good job in terms of scoring and they have just scored it for, you know, for someone that no one else agrees with. We see robberies and things like that all the time in the sport, or you have to quickly decide or understand and say, wait a minute, did someone add this up correctly? Is this right? Is this what the judges intended? So it's it's just a bunch of challenges there that I'm sure are not, uh, that, that don't exist necessarily in other sports, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the fun part about it, man. You know, it's, it's challenging. And, and it, like you said, it's funny how these fans, they, you know, they heckle at you or saying things to social media. I'm like, all right, man, you know, I'll, I'll give you the platform. Come on, read the scorecards how the way you should read it. So, but you know, it's uh, for me, it's, I'm always polishing my work and I'm always, uh, you know, watching uh, some good old classic fights. And, you know, I listen to uh, Jimmy Lennon senior, you know, all the greats, including uh, uh, from my hometown, Lupe Contreras, you know, uh, you know, I, I learned from them. You know, that's that's what it's about. It's a learning process along the way. Absolutely. And those are all great ring announcers. You mentioned Lupe Contreras. He's, he's a, I was lucky enough to work with him recently on Ring City. Great guy. Great ring announcer. Very, right. very knowledgeable man. Um, and, and you mentioned some of the other greats in the game. Obviously, David Diamante, Michael Buffer, Jimmy Lennon Jr. So I wanted to ask you, uh, your you have to have a signature catchphrase doing what you do. And, and you mentioned right. Jimmy Lennon Jr. for a long time. It was, it's showtime. Um, it, Bruce Buffer in UFC, I believe, does the it's time. And now we're hearing from you the golden time. 
And yeah. I wasn't sure when I first heard that if that was because, you know, Golden Boy promotions, but yes. no, this is your this is your signature phrase, right? So so how did this come together, Golden Time? So actually, uh, it did uh, derive from Golden Boy. Uh, I was part of a, uh, what is it, a contest. You know, they were looking for a new next generation ring announcer. And, you know, sitting on my bed at home, I was like, I like, it's golden time. That's pretty cool. I think Oscar might like that. So uh, Oscar loved it. He was like, I like it. It's golden time. I was like, all right, it's golden time. So, but I also use uh, it's golden time because I do work a lot for the, uh, for USA Boxing, the Nationals, Golden Gloves. So uh, when I thought about it's golden time, I thought about, you know, winning a medal, a gold medal, you know. Obviously, the WBC belt is gold. The, you know, all these uh, titles are gold. So I was like, I like that. It's golden time. So I use it's golden time. And then for uh, matchroom boxing and for the zone, it's time to get into zone. Uh, somebody mentioned to me, it, it kind of sounds like the auto zone catchphrase. I was like, it's not, I promise. It's not. So, But yeah, that's, that's what I use usually. Uh, and as far as uh, hometown shows, uh, it's crunch time. That's what I use. I don't really say it in front of uh, others around here, but I say it's crunch time. It's crunch time. So, yeah. There you have it. Don't send me an invoice for that. You know, don't. Uh, oh, no, you're, you're good. That one's for free, right? Okay, good. That is um, for free. <laughs> so I wanted to recap the recent fight that you were ring announcing for, and you had uh, one of the best views on planet Earth for that fight, which was Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. Um Ryan Garcia, uh, a lot of people were wondering, is this guy for real? Is he not? I've been saying for a long time, for anyone that would listen, that you can be an Instagram star, have a lot of followers, and be a good boxer. And he definitely proved yeah. that. He got knocked down round two, got up off the canvas, ended up getting the body shot knockout in round seven. So what was your experience like at that event, and what was it like watching that fight live? Well, uh, first off, I want to thank Oscar and Golden Boy for the opportunity. Um, they were the ones that gave me a, the green light for it. So a huge thank you to the entire staff uh, for that. Um, to being that that uh, facility with with all those fans and you know it was incredible. I had to pinch myself several times. Uh, that was probably my the biggest fight I've ever done in my career thus far. Uh, and for uh, Ryan Garcia to win it. Man, I was excited for that kid. I was really excited for that kid, and uh, and he's going places for sure, man. I can't, I can't wait till he hits uh, Tank Davis eventually, hopefully. Uh, but to be in that moment inside that ring, inside that arena, it was it was special, really special. Um, it was just an honor to be surrounded by all these amazing people, hard workers, and you know, e- even the folks putting the. Uh, what is it called? Uh, the ring together. You know what I mean? I, anytime I can thank somebody who's, who's helped putting the show together, I always do. You know what I mean? Cause it's a humbling experience at the end of the day, just, to, just to be there. So it was awesome. Very awesome. Memorable. Absolutely. And, and a hundred percent, you have to thank all the, the hundreds and, and thousands of people that work yeah. on these events, especially now during this time, it's become even harder, um, yeah. with, with everything going on with COVID and all the regulations. And, um, it looked like a great event. It, it seemed like that. Um, so I'm glad that you got to enjoy that ringside. You mentioned Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. They both put up the fan posters of that fight. So yeah. hopefully we see that fight next. So to uh, a couple more questions to close it out here. I know that on your Instagram bio, 
Uh, it says paddleboarding enthusiast, hiker, and then karaoke <laughs> is life. So I know your skills yes. behind the mic. So tell me about karaoke. Why is karaoke oh, life? Oh, man. <laughs> and I'm challenging Todd Grisham to a karaoke uh, sing-off very soon. So Todd, <laughs> be ready for it, man. Be ready for it. So yeah, I love karaoke, man. I uh, Anytime I can go out on a Monday or Wednesday night, I'm there. I'm always there. And actually... I think karaoke has actually helped me with my voice, you know, with the range, you know, because ring announcing for me, I, I'm not like, okay, so let's be real. Michael Buffer does not sound like the way he sounds in the ring. Kind of like me. I don't sound like the way I sound in the ring, I, you know, normal dude. But when we use our announcer voice or singing voice, you know, that's a whole different story. So I think it's really helped me out along the way. And I continue to do karaoke. You know, my, my mom was a singer and uh in the, in the gospel uh singing group and uh so i kind of took after that as well but i don't sing like uh i sing 90s because you know i grew up in the 90s man i got pearl jam and, uh stone temple pilots all these cool bands so but yeah man karaoke if you ever want to do karaoke if you're ever in la or, or new york and man I, i'm there i'm there we got to go do some karaoke Let's do it. And let's get Todd Grisham involved in that too. That, that oh, sounds yeah. like, that sounds like a definitely a, a fun time. So uh, <laughs> just to, just to close it out, I mean, everything that you went through uh, specifically this year, um, it was tough times for, I should say last year in 2020, um, it, it was, it was tough times for everybody, but specifically tough for you. We talked about the pandemic. We talked about uh, you suffering from Bell's palsy, recovering from that. Um, would you have a final message to, to people out there, maybe also going through a tough time uh, dealing with anything on their own personal journey? What, what would be your message to them on how to keep going? Simple. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Find support. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. And that's, that's really important. I actually, uh, that was a huge reminder for me this, uh, in 2020. Um, I never thought I would ask anybody for money, you know, to, you know, to help me out to pay for some bills. You know, uh, a lot of, of my savings went to, uh, you know, to pay my bills, but you know, I obviously didn't have enough, you know, people like us or like at ring announcers who strictly do announcing, you know, we're 1099 people, man. <laughs> if you know what that means, 1099 is not always a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, we, we always got to keep up with the, with the hustle. And during that time, there was no hustle. We couldn't do anything at all. So, um, you know, I didn't have an office job or, or anything like that where I can work from home. So it was really tough. But, uh, but I did, I did, I had to do what I had to do. I worked at a, uh, at a grocery store for a little while, bagging groceries during the pandemic. You know, it opened my eyes big time. You know, I have a great appreciation for it. I mean, those people who, who were there, or they're stocking up all these groceries, delivering groceries. And, you know, uh, my heart goes out to all of them because they are man, hard workers, brother, hard workers. So, uh, but like I said, don't lose hope. You know, look forward, stay positive. That is the most important thing. And stay stress-free, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I commend you for the hard work that you did uh, in, in terms of that and also just the recovery process and everything that you've gone through. I'm excited to see you back in there and, and see what you do uh, with, your, with your great career here. So last question, uh, tell people where they can find you, where can they watch you on TV or streaming services and, and where can they connect with you on social media? Sure. Uh, social media. Uh, let's see. 
I'm on Facebook. You can find, you know, look up my name, Gerald, add you, add everybody. <laughs> and uh, Instagram at Jeremiah, the announcer. And uh, for the next Golden Boy shows coming up, hopefully I get get the, uh, the gigs here and there. I share with uh, the one and only Joe Martinez, my man, great, great guy. Uh, other than that, that's it, man. Uh, MLS season's coming around the corner, and uh, we'll see if the uh, Houston Dynamo can make the playoffs finally. that's it great well i want to thank you so much for the time for talking to us about your journey your process uh and i want to wish you the best of luck looking forward to seeing more of you uh in 2021 jeremiah gallegos thank you so much thank you so much Karen. appreciate you and you have a blessed one brother you too and that brings us to the end thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests you want to follow us uh you can follow at ate underscore podcast that's on instagram and twitter if you want to follow my personal channels it's at c-u-r-r-a-n-b-h-a-t-i-a on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karen Batia at on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karen Batia. Uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karen Batia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Curran Bhatia.